0: Hey, what's going on? This is Jeremy Thone, marketing director of 3PL Systems and host of 3PL Live. I'm excited to share an interview with Michael Steak. He's the VP of business development over at Rocket Shipping. It's a really interesting conversation about like why people or shippers use freight brokers and kind of some myths around them as well. And we came to the conclusion that basically it's usually not a binary answer, like whether or not you should use a freight broker. It's usually, there's usually reasons to use a freight broker such as value-added services, maybe claims management, better technology, et cetera. So we kind of talk about the benefits and some of the negative aspects of using a freight broker. I hope you enjoy this episode and hope you're having a nice time with your family during the holidays. Hey, Michael, thanks for coming on to 3PL Live. I'm excited to have you. I know you're an executive over at Rocket Shipping, but for those of of those in the crowd that don't know you, would you mind just introducing yourself?
1: Yeah, Jeremy, thanks, Uh, happy to be here. My name is Michael. I work for a company called Rocket Shipping. You guys have probably seen Gabe Pankin on the LinkedIn waves the last couple years. I'm trying to catch him up here on some of the social media reputation, but, um, yeah, been with Rocket Shipping since it's beginning. Uh, it's beginning. It was actually two years ago, um, on the 7th of December. And so, uh, we've been, yeah, we've been, we've been going moving quickly and, uh, every day is a new day here at rocket shipping seems like uh, we have a, an awesome team uh, that are always coming up with new ideas ways to be progressive and so um, it's uh, it's it's been really cool the last couple of years I was one of the first uh, actual hires for rocket shipping oh were you really when it was created yeah
0: yeah yep. you guys are doing a good job with social media like I've seen you Gabe and then um, Samantha as well like kind of all just doing some really interesting things. I, I like that companies are starting to do that now, like you guys, and like Freightvana, and more people are getting social, which I think is a great move, because I don't know why more people aren't kind of jumping on that bag because it just seems like a great way to promote.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and I mean, I, I was probably kind of uh, a little bit more in the opposite camp before I joined here, and um, we, we started to see the benefits of lead gen for um, putting content out there, especially useful um, content for, you know, the, the audience and crowd that you're hoping to bring value to and, and more so interact with. I think our end goal is to create interactions with the people um, in our network. At the end of the day, it's less about wanting to put stuff out there and more about trying to create conversations to, uh, to lead further into what we're all trying to solve and do.
0: Yeah, hundred um, percent. And I do want to talk to you too about just some like myths about using like a three PL or a broker because there's quite a few, right? I feel like everyone's had like good and bad experiences with brokers. So just out of your curiosity, from your standpoint, like why would someone go to like a like a three PL or a freight broker versus just going to like a yellow or like a like a common carrier direct, for example?
1: Absolutely. I think I'm much more well equipped to answer that question than I was uh, starting out two years ago, but uh, it's a question that uh, comes up all the time, and and there's reasons to go both. There's actually not one um, good or bad reason to to pick a side. It's more about uh, what exactly the shipper's looking for, what position they they are in terms of a volume play in freight going out uh, that they currently are in the stage of their business, and then what their expectations are. I mean, at the end of the day, I uh, I really like the three PL model for a few reasons. Um, because of what I've learned here at Rocket Shipping, what we bring to our clients, we definitely offer some uh, pricing opportunities in terms of overall rates uh, across a you know, all the freight uh, classes. So if a, if a shipper doesn't have, uh, per se, a large enough volume to maybe procure a really aggressive rate from a specific carrier... They can come to a 3PL and take advantage of some aggressive rates right away because at the end of the day, the essence of a 3PL is pooling a large amount of shipping um, history, data, just overall shipments and going to carriers and using that as leverage to negotiate aggressive rates. So at the end of the day, you you can pay to play very quickly by working with a 3PL versus going direct. Um, with a single carrier or two, you know, and that way you're, you're also not having to leverage your own volume as mentioned, if you don't have a ton of volume going right now, a carrier is going to look at you as a small shipper where if you start going with a 3PL and utilizing their, I mean, industry term of blanket rates, they don't see you as a small shipper, they just see a large volume of shipments coming from um, the, the specific 3PL. So I like that, that model, really good model. but going direct, there's nothing wrong with that as well. Uh, there's just um, reasons to look at both, you know, and, and, and pricing always seems to be the top one. You know, it's, it's always on everyone's mind, but we like to try and per, you know position that as, you know, it's not a race to the bottom. We don't want to focus on price. We want to focus on the things that we can add beyond that because there's always going to be somebody uh, willing to eat your lunch and offer a lower price sustainable I don't know how long that'll last but there's always gonna be someone there so we we focus on the value of service and support you're going to to get uh, for the most part in my view of what a good 3pl is is offering that service and support to help with uh, the nuances of, of day-to-day shipments reconsignments returns uh, claims management all that stuff you're less likely to get that with a, a carrier uh, technology is another really important
0: one so yeah it's hard too because I feel like at the end of the day if like you're not obviously shipping a ton, like you'd probably rather have like an expert handle all of like the day-to-day stuff and all the paperwork, the BOL, all that, all those things. And and plus, I'm sure that people don't always ship in the same lanes probably too, right? They probably might have something that, you know, they may only, only ship like once or twice or something. Yeah. But um, why do you think that people have like a bad experience like with like brokers? I know that the the bond changed maybe like five, 10 years ago where they, they upped it to like 75K because it used to be really easy for people to come into the market. So that caused like quite a few problems, but why do you think that some people have had bad experiences? Like what, what's going on with like some, I know there's good experiences as well, but for just out of curiosity, what's your thoughts on oh, that? Oh
1: man, there, there could be a ton of reasons. Uh, I like to boil it down to probably the most basic is that 3PL or um, the shipper that had the bad experience. You know, the communication between the two, it probably just simply resonates to uh, the expectations of that partnership just weren't either rightly or you know um, laid out and relayed well enough, or uh, just the expectations weren't met. I mean, I think you could dive into a lot of details, but at the end of the day, I think that's that's the basics of it. I mean, you hear many reasons, uh, and people flip between different three pls and carry direct, and all, all the time, I think it always goes down to. The expectations just weren't being met, or um, what they were hoping for wasn't communicated in a, um, a, a well enough fashion.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Like maybe like the broker didn't realize exactly what they were shipping. They didn't go into enough detail. So how do you? I guess how do you like? Uh, I know there's something in in marketing called heuristics, where you could like look at like views, and you could see like if a lot of people, there's like a hundred people leave like a four star review like in Yelp that your your brain is quicker to be like, all right, I trust that carrier. But is there any way, like for like, or trust, trust that broker? But is there any way to, like, I guess handle that when you're looking, when you're like a new shipper and you're looking to hire a new broker, whether it's like Rocket Shipping or Echo or whoever? Like, how do you know if you haven't heard of them? Like, how to like trust them?
1: That's a really good uh, question, actually, because um, you know Rocket Shipping isn't isn't uh, a a family name brand, and so we have to portray ourselves through. Um, just how we, how we start the discovery process. Are we asking good questions to really get down to the answers so we can, we can start to have good conversations about things that maybe they're not talking about with other, um, partners they're looking into, uh, working with here. I'm going to pull this down. We're getting a little light distortion there, but. Um, at the end of the day, you know we, we tell our, our sales guys and, and ourselves that you know we all sell on the team as well, Gabe myself and Sam and, and all of our SDRs and we, we, we just really focus on um, building a story around having a good set of discovery questions, but we also have a specific ICP or an ideal client um, profile that we're going after so we know uh, what pain points to really try to hone that conversation on so, specifically, rocket shipping is heavily based in e com freight that goes to residences. And so as we identify those, we can um, come off as more experts in that type of a move because we do it all the time. We gain credibility through hopefully discovering pain points, bringing up some some maybe ideas or opportunities that uh, the potential customer hasn't um, heard about or looked into yet. And I mean, at the end of the day, (laughs) we're trying to pave our path to becoming. Um, credible, maybe a little bit more through through being uh, a brand name they've heard. But when you're not that at, at this necessarily at this point, it's just grind. You know, you just hustle and you try to do the best you can at, at uh, figuring out the expectations and what your shippers want.
0: A lot of the times too, I'm sure it's just like is a matter of like customer service and picking up the phone and like just being reliable, right? Because people are like, if if they take the load, then all of a sudden they like disappear from their phone and they never answer it, then that's obviously like a red flag.
1: Yeah. And and that happens a lot and, and you know, we uh, no one likes to have their phone you know necessarily glued to their pocket and on at all times, but how we've we've uh, set up, or I shouldn't say even we've gave Gabe's pretty much set this up at the start of the company is is we wanted to be customer service um, support focused to our, our uh, clients because we knew that was one of the biggest issues going into the specific niche of uh, ecom to residences. You had to you had to be available and you had to have somebody uh, able to to handle um, uh, escalations that came up and things of that nature and so. He actually did a really good job of building out a full in-house operations team to handle that as a whole. So our ticket times are low because of that and, and we do have phone, uh, phones that people can reach out to, emails, uh, all that stuff, but our goal is to always keep that response time low and ensure that the customer always feels uh, like any problem or issue that you have is taken care of quickly and, and feels like a priority. And so. I think that's the difference between maybe more of a cradle to the grave type of um, business, which is uh, some of the ways agents and, and 3PLs work where the sales guy um, gets a customer, sets everything up and runs the operations themselves, uh, which, which is, is, is a fine business model. We just found it, it to be more um, opportune for our clients to build out an operations team specific to only working on operations. Keep sales and operations separate. And, and because of that, we've been able to keep a really robust um, customer support team, low tickets, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. And then what about like capacity? I know that like some carriers, for example, might only go like US right away, for example, might be in like one portion of the world. So like if you go to a broker, you probably have a little bit more capacity options because you guys are dealing with thousands of shipments a month versus a shipper that might only do like 100 or I don't know how many they're doing, depending on, I guess, the size of the the ICP, but how do you look at that, like, as far as the capacity goes for for brokers?
1: Yeah, I mean, and that, you can go a couple ways with that. If you just look at the generality of, yeah, uh, a 3PL might be able to offer uh, a lot more quick capacity to a shipper that's only using one or two um, direct carriers to move their stuff because we're just diversifying the portfolio that much more, adding more carriers. The capacity just kind of um, uh, expands from there. But looking at capacity for a specific carrier, let's say uh, you know you're working with FedEx, and then you know we also have our pre- procured rates with FedEx. There's there's no magic uh, button to, to give us as a 3PL more capacity for a specific carrier than a, a direct um, relationship. And in fact, that can actually go opposite if your if your 3PL um, team isn't. Uh, Working with the carrier very closely and keeping up on them because if capacity gets short, which we've seen that before. I I mean, I haven't been in the 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 game very long, and I've seen it substantially when I jumped in. um, Carriers will will uh, favor their direct customers versus a 3PL, and so we've seen that a a ton of times. So when capacity gets short, a a 3PL can actually be a negative point if your um, partner, your your 3PL partner, isn't consistently working and ensuring that your shipments, your freight are a priority uh, for that carrier as well. So is
0: the part of that too, just like rewarding the carriers with like, not trying to like price, like just try to give them a fair rate as much as possible. Is that kind of part of the strategy as well to keep them happy?
1: Um, Yes, It's uh, it, it, it has a lot to do with ensuring that um, freight is properly classed, properly packaged. You know, they, they can have um, conversations with their direct customers a lot easier than going through the channel the 3PL and in fact they normally don't see that relationship it's the 3PL that holds that and so um, you become less of a priority if uh, you're not keeping up on keeping your packages uh, your shipments you know well packaged the docks clean um, if, if you're if, if you're holding them up at the dock when they're coming to pick up they're going to view you as a less priority because you're you're, you're making them less efficient and so um, yeah, it, it, all of that stuff comes into, uh, into check when you're trying to ensure that your shipper is what, you know, the industry would consider, uh, like a shipper of choice. Like it's a, they're a good customer for that carrier. What about
0: like, as far as like the paperwork goes, is that usually like you guys handling the paperwork or is that usually the shipper handling the paperwork? It kind of depends.
1: Sure. Um, paperwork in, in terms of like uh, BOL production and whatnot through our, um, portal that we, we have our clients use, in uh, EBOL is, uh, is um, procured, and then there's multiple ways that that can go to the, the client. But most um, nominally, you know, and, and uh, convenient is just to send them a PDF through email or, you know, through the portal, they can just download the PDF. Email it to their warehouse manager and get it that uh, get it there that way. When it comes to invoicing and whatnot, um, we handle that uh, and and get it to the customer once the the shipment is final. We have all the details on it. We do what we call bill auditing for all of our customers. So um, we look at every shipment that came in. Is there any variances that uh, happen to be slapped on that shipment? My operations team. Uh, we'll go dispute those variances. And if we can dispute them and win, um, we'll take advantage of that. Some of them are just ones that you have to deal with. But at the end of the day, the goal is that the customer always knows that invoice is exactly what they're going to pay. They're not going to get hit with random charges two weeks down the line and be stuck trying to match up variances with, uh, uh, original invoices and then starting to scratch their head like, hey, this wasn't really the, the, the rate that I agreed upon when I, when I dispatched the shipment. So we handle the paperwork from start to finish. Claims management is another one where there's a lot of paperwork, and, and we handle that for our customers in, in more of a managed transportation um, type of, of appeal.
0: It seems to like, what are some other, like, I guess, value adds of using like a broker, like rocket shipping? It sounds like claims, like you're, you're not going to just like go take off as soon as a claim happens. So you're actually going to be there. You're looks like you're doing some like invoicing as far or the invoicing part. You're kind of checking to make sure that everything's correct. What are some other things, like reasons why folks would want to use it? Yeah, no,
1: that's a good question. Uh, we try to separate, uh, separate ourselves from the competition for a, in a few different ways. But managed transportation is really our, our big sell when it comes to it. And that's and part of that is customer service support. But the bill auditing, the claims management, we want to we wanna be able to take a lot off the plates of our, um, of our clients to allow them to stay high level, make sure things are going out, and allow them to scale without necessarily adding, needing to add more personnel as their, their shipments grow and their revenue grows. Um, technology is a is a big play. Um, it has of has of more recently the last you know three to five years, and and we want to make sure we're on the cusp of that. We have a, a very um, nice portal, but we have a team in house that uh, that helps with uh, integration. So part of what um, at least companies in our niche are looking to do is automate, 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 increase you know increase workflow efficiency, that kind of stuff. And so we're looking looking to connect software that they're already using for um, you know for inventory management and, and just overall you know product order management to talk with our TMS through um, integrations and API communication. So we have a team on on staff that helps facilitate and handle that so that we can have a, a value add on the tech side as well.
0: There's a lot of great products have been coming out too. I went to TIA Technovations and I saw like Parade there and then cargo chief and then HUBTRAN, which is now Triumph Pay Audit. Are you using any tools like that or anything that you're keeping your eye on?
1: Um, we're keeping our eye on a, on a few things. We have some neat stuff coming down the pipe that we're, we're close to um, revealing to some of our customers. But at the end of the day, we just want to stay in the know and be able to have that conversation about um, having the ability, if there is, to integrate with whatever um, software or product that they find might be usable on the customer side to make their lives easier.
0: What's your thoughts, too, just out of curiosity, like, on some of this, like, DFM stuff? Because a lot of that stuff didn't exist, like, five, ten years ago. Like, the the parade, like, book it now, like, freight, uh, you know, truckload-type shipments. So, I'm just wondering, like, how the market's, like, responding to that. Because I know, like, a lot of, the, like, the older generations, like, how is that possible that you could book, like, a truckload shipment without actually talking to someone? And that's kind of, like, a, a thing that they don't understand. So, I'm just curious because I know you're a bit younger. So, like, what's your thoughts on, like, just, like the viewpoint of it? Do you think that that's more to come in the next like, I do. five years?
1: Like, like I said before, I've only been in the game for a couple of years and I've been drinking through a fire hose on all of this stuff for legitimately every business day that I come to work. And so uh, the more type of uh, integrations and automation that happens in the industry, I think is really good. And I think it brings a lot of value. What we find and how we're positioning the tools that we're coming out with in the future is that you cannot replace Uh, having somebody and you know a human being driving a lot of the processes with technology but you can create a hybrid version that makes the best of both worlds and so we've seen a lot of stuff come out of Silicon Valley that offer these neat um, integrations automations make your life a little easier but it adds a lot of uh, overhead for you need somebody to run it you need somebody that understands it you need somebody to troubleshoot it so there's just a lot of that and so what we found is um, you know pulling in both technology and a, a robust team of, uh, of people to help create that efficiency is where it fits in. So I do see that continuing to go, but you're never going to see it take over uh, the actual need to have human beings making logical choices and decisions on certain portions of the entire process. whether it doesn't matter what mode of transportation it is, you're always going to need that and, and um, you know we've kind of seen that play out here and it's there's a, we're just at the beginning of it.
0: Yeah, that's totally fair. I look at it too. like is like maybe like 80% like uh, standardized or something like 20%, um, I guess, custom and like 80% standardized type of thing. You know, like, that's kind of like one way that I've seen people like frame it. But at the end of the day, I think that if you need to talk to someone like a a person, a live person, you always want to have like that option. I can't tell you how many times I've been on the phone with like Amex or one of those companies and just like agent, agent, zero, zero. So at the end of the day, like we we still need that personal human touch for whatever reason. And I don't I don't see that going away for a while. It's really interesting, too, because like not to segue into something different, but like a lot of these like AI copywriting bots are coming out now, too. And like these AI bots could write copy like just almost as well as like just humans. So it's really fascinating to see how fast Technology is kind of changing all yeah, around us. No,
1: that's for sure. I was just showing Gabe and, and Troy on our IT team yesterday uh the, the chat GPT or is that what it was from OpenAI that what it it do? And, and it was it was pretty amazing what a lot of that information, um, you know, a lot of the, the software out there can do that. And there's there's other things in the industry that we've used uh for, for different things, but it's it's really amazing. It was I just typed in a quick question, you know. It was uh what did I say? I was like uh Uh, explain to me what an API endpoint is and it it did in about half a second and gave me two sentences and then I just simply added to a five-year-old and it just simplified it to a sentence of if I was going to explain it to a five-year-old this would be a good way to do it.
0: It's really cool to actually see all that kind of going down there's been a lot of like noise I feel like this week what about like tracking do you guys use like any like APIs or EDI or do you use like Project 44 or any of those types of companies or how you guys tracking or is it just by hand or combination of things?
1: Yep, our current portal utilizes API um, connectability with all the carriers. Uh, that's through Project 44. Um, we're looking at some other cool things for, for tracking to create a little bit more of an uh, immediate or more detailed version of that. Um, tracking happens through there. Our clients can see the same tracking information they would see if they you know, type in the pro number at uh, the carrier website. We are working on a few tools, and we have some in beta right now. To offer a better tracking experience, utilizing that, but putting verbiage and other information within that to our clients, clients. So the actual, you know, the the, the consigner that's going to receive the the com product, um, it's a more uh, professional and and it's just a better design look to tracking. It gives we always we kind of term it as it's it's like the um, prime version. Um, in in small package parcel for freight, and we're we're building tools that make that uh, that shipping experience to the end user uh, much more enjoyable because you know shippers uh, or the, the the end consumer tends to mirror the shipping experience with the the company that they bought the product from, and unfortunately that couldn't be farther from the truth. There's not a lot of um, control in between that, and so we're trying to build um, not only products but also again that customer service to Give that end consumer a better shipping experience, Um, whether it be videos on how to properly accept freight, um, uh, simple, hey, here's what to do if a damage happens. A lot of things that can make the process more enjoyable, easier, but at the end of the day, develop realistic expectations because if you can control the expectations that they should have, the the scenario tends to go better no matter what, right?
0: Yeah, I, that's totally fair. I feel like if you give like the right expectations from the beginning, that always makes things a lot easier. If you don't promise the world, or if you you promise good service, but like, hey, like I can't promise that these trucks are not going to something bad's going to happen. But I promise I'll be there, like when something does bad happen, or regardless, either way. W- what about like trade shows, like or conferences? I know I thought I saw you guys went to F three. Did you guys go to many trade or many conferences last year? TIA, I'm assuming.
1: We did we're starting to now. Um, it's funny. I, we, uh, we, we attended the JOC here, um, this fall and that was probably, that was the first one I ever been to. And I, I believe that was, uh, one of the, the few that Gabe's been to, uh, Samantha came with us and she's more of a, a trade show. She's, she's more of a trade show goer. She's gotten to a, quite a few in her past, um, uh, positions. And so I think as a company, we're looking to, to position ourselves to go to more of those, uh, in the future. I know there's a lot of them coming up. Um, that we're excited to look into either whether to go or I know there's some some speaking event opportunities. So we're definitely looking to add that to the docket more so in 23.
0: Yeah. How are you guys getting yourself in front of like shippers? I know that you guys did a cold call blitz. I followed that on LinkedIn recently. What you guys did a kind of cold calls, which was awesome. But what else? What are you guys using for your tech stack? Are you guys using like outreach or sales loft or what are you guys using to do that? And are, are you, I know that you guys are using digital marketing as well with like the videos and tutorials and whatnot, but like, what is your guys' like just partial strategy for that? Just out of curiosity.
1: Absolutely. I think uh, that's exactly the way it is. There's, there's a couple um, key uh, people out there doing stuff on LinkedIn, on other social media platforms that uh, most people probably recognize. I think that's um, what Gabe started to realize. Uh, In fact, a lot of our, you know, a few of our recent hires were just because we, we've got to know somebody through their social media and, and that's what triggered, um, reaching out and wanting to meet them versus, um, other ways of, of finding people to add to your team. Um, I think he, he, he looks at it as there's a lot of what we call dark social, just cause people aren't interacting, uh, with your content or, um, doing anything of that way. They still see it. And there's been instances where, um, different shippers, uh, people in the industry have reached out and, and said, Hey, I saw you on LinkedIn. I, I wanted to, you know, uh, whatever, jump on a meeting or whatnot with no, in, no inkling that they'd ever saw your stuff. Cause they never react, you know, interacted, never did anything with it. And so I think social media and putting stuff out there, even in, a, in an environment like, uh, in, in industry, like transportation is, is huge and has uh, way more ROI potential than anyone's really giving it. There's the, the few people out there doing it are, are starting to reap the rewards and way out ahead of anyone else. So, I agree. It
0: seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem like a ton of brokers are like really in there or like on LinkedIn, like creating like content. Like it doesn't seem like, I would say that the majority, it it would be like a newer thing, I would say, or like the ones that are doing it are kind of like on top of their game, I would say. Is that your thought process as well? Because it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of people like really taking advantage of like social to the degree that I think it actually has.
1: And that's how we played out too, is I I would agree cold calls aren't dead. They're important. But if you can, if you can uh, change them up in the sequence to where a cold call might actually be slightly warm because you've started with um, interacting with that person or whoever you're looking to reach out to on a social media um, type basis, or, you know, reaching out and sending them some sort of information or content that might be useful to them. That's kind of how we try to position them um, to where that cold call, which it might be the third step in, in like a, 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 a sequence of, of trying to nurture a potential yeah. prospect. It's kind of a warm call then. And it's, it's, it's more fun to have.
0: Yeah, I love that point. Chris Walker, I'm a big fan of that guy. I don't know if you follow him on, on LinkedIn. He, he has yeah, Refine Labs, but he, he talks about dark social quite a bit. And I've had my own experiences with like dark social like years ago, I, I was posting tips like on like how to like sell better like tactical tips, this is like two, three years ago. And my boss or like my old boss, like screenshotted something and sent it to his sales team. This is before I like worked for him. And then my friend worked there and told me about it. And then I was like, oh, wow, that's like really interesting. And then it kind of clicked. Like I was like, wow, like LinkedIn is like a iceberg almost. Like you feel like no one's like really like paying attention to or looking, but there's like this noise happening sort of in these back channels that it's not really being recorded. And I also feel like a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, like, They only think about like the last touch of like the customer journey you know like how did they find us right they're not thinking about the 15 touches it took to actually to to, you know they saw a video of you they saw a video of gabe they saw a video of samantha they went onto your website you know they it's all these kind of culmination of things that happen but it's really interesting that i think that the technology and the market for how to like actually like give that value is still catching up because i think a lot of older executives like including my dad Like he like looks at like podcasting and a lot of this this like digital marketing is like, oh, like it's not you know, cold calling is gonna be king. And I think it is king to some sort of degree in some sort of ways, but I feel like if you can use like your social presence to like boost your your overall online presence, then it's always kind of a good thing. And then when you do go to a cold call, someone's like, Oh yeah, I recognize Michael from his videos or whatever. So my last question for you, kind of like wrapping up is So being a broker, it's probably hard to get like positioning and messaging down. So is there anything that you guys like focus on when you're doing these cold emails or cold calls? Because it seems like positioning yourself as a broker might be slightly difficult considering like a lot of them are doing something similar. So I'm just curious, do you guys have anything? Do you kind of just focus on the customer service or like is there something that you kind of... Are doing within your positioning from? I know that you you said you would mentioned you would started coming here about like two years ago. So like, as things of your as your thought process changed from when you started then to now, I know there's a couple of things going on there, but you can kind of answer how.
1: Yeah, no, I I do that a lot. You Position like ten questions in a snowball. Uh, you ask Gabe. I do that to him all the time on the phone. He's like, uh, let's break it down. So uh, when I started, it was it was. It was very basic, um, basic emails, basic calls, and, and we've been introduced to a lot of tools along the way, um, learned from a lot of different uh social media type of influencers uh, since then, Chris Walker was one of them. I know, uh, a lot of our team members call him on TikTok. He's got really good stuff. And we start to learn different ways to do that. Our marketing team has been really amazing. Gabe's been building that out, um, the past year. And we have, uh, Elena, the social media gal really hitting, um, different strides in, 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 um, social media, uh, Eric Tess, our Erica Tessany. And a lot of them people are, a lot of the team members are really finding new ways and, and, and coming up with new ideas to go after that. And so I think, that brings a lot of value because, um, like you said, if, if you're in sales, you're in you know you're in operations. Your main thought is not necessarily how to be the most out there marketing and being able to grab people's attention. And so, being able to act as a unit as a team, um, we all work together to create some some unique s- sequences and sales flows. And and obviously, some of them um, are a success and some of them fail miserably. And that's kind of how we learn from it. But um, we're we're just going after. Really trying to um, put out there what we do. Focus on pain points. Like I said, we 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 know our ICP customer, and we focus on the pain points that you know we experience talking to many of them in that industry. So we hit hard on that. We try to stay away from really comparing ourselves price wise to to the competition because what really sets us apart is is um, our added value of managed transportation technology. And what we're trying to do outside of uh, the basic tools to enrich the customer shipping experience um, and make that uh, that experience uh, much more enjoyable for both the shipper and the
0: customer. I guess I have one last question for you that just kind of popped up my head. It, yeah, th- that that answered it totally. My last question though for you, I, I, I cheated and I'm going to ask one more. The I'm just curious, like how did you guys end up all working here anyways? Because you guys are all pretty young and like how how did you guys end up all together? Oh,
1: Gosh, it's a—it's uh, actually a funny story. and It keeps getting funnier as we go, and and uh, um, you couldn't—you couldn't even write it if you tried. But the way it started, Gabe—Gabe Gabe, uh, was in the uh, LTL industry for for many years before starting Rocket Shipping, and he just got to the point where you know he wanted a new challenge. He wanted to start something his own, um, and uh, he was looking for uh, somebody to maybe help him out. I came along. Uh, for those that don't know, Gabe is my brother-in-law, um, and I was in the egg industry. I, I grew up. Yeah. So I, I grew up in, uh, in agriculture, in farming. I, you know, me and my wife own the family farm, manage it from my office and, and I'm lucky enough to have my, my dad, uh, help and whatnot. And so I grew up in that, in that world and in that industry, and I was just looking to do something different. Uh, and I reached out to Gabe and he knew I, I was in sales and, um, thought, what the heck, give it a, ch- uh, give it a shot. And so I started off, um, uh, with him as a 1099, um, and I uh, had to, to hunt and, and eat what I kill. And so that was how it started off. And as we started growing and adding new needs, um, we just started hiring people. Like I said, we were, we were heavy on operations because service and support and managed transportation is, is huge to us. And so we were constantly adding um, very qualified operations personnel that had you know, a lot more years experience in uh, logistics operations than I ever did coming into this. And, uh, we just started to expand and find more needs for different, um, different job roles. And, and, you know, once, once we had, we built a team and all of a sudden marketing became something that was a top priority. And all of a sudden Gabe was building a marketing team out for an LTL, um, uh, brokerage firm. And then, uh, and then we're moving into, you know, more on the social media and, and, and onboarding and, and really building a very smooth, unique experience for clients coming in, um, to working with rocket shipping. And then on the technology side, working with uh, building tools from scratch to uh, increase the customer shipping experience. I mean, it all just kind of snowballed from, uh, we saw a need um, from our customers, which was affecting us. And we looked to the industry and, and didn't see a product or a solution for it. And so we started building it. And that was kind of how everything has really started everything's came out of necessity and because we couldn't find a a viable off-the-shelf solution we just uh we stuck our our nose to the grindstone and and started to build a solution in-house
0: I love it I've actually been watching your guys story this whole entire I mean it's been going on for longer than I've been watching it but for like the least last eight months I've been watching it and I've been like fascinated by how much you guys are growing and doing different things online I'm I'm excited for you guys, but if people want to reach out, Michael, how do they reach out if they want to use you or connect with you on LinkedIn, they could go to Michael Steak obviously for LinkedIn, any other places to send them?
1: Yeah, honestly, that's the best spot. Um, I try to be fairly active on there and, in, and interact with as many people as I can. Um, shoot me a message on uh, on LinkedIn or connect, um, and I'd be more than happy to uh, to start building that relationship.
0: Thanks for sticking around to the end. Of that episode with michael seek over at rocket shipping i really enjoyed speaking with him it's really interesting to, to also see how well rocket shipping is using social media i interviewed sam on their team a while back ago and she actually ended up getting her gig over at rocket shipping because of her social media presence so if you're not using social media linkedin twitter youtube and you're a marketer or salesperson you definitely should consider it because you could end up getting a new gig as a result of it Anyways, hope everyone's having a great time with their families, staying safe. I know that there's a lot of canceled flights right now because of the bad weather all throughout the United States, but hopefully everyone's staying safe. And for the 3PL Systems customers that came to our user group meeting, we really enjoyed that as well. And we can't wait for all the stuff that we have on a roadmap for 2023. Thanks so much for listening.